return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So let's stand for a second if you got your Bible. Say with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So great to have you here today as we celebrate. Now, on the church calendar, I'm talking about the kind of the worldly church calendar, whatever, they call this Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Every Sunday, we like to think of it as Pentecost Sunday, right? We're celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just an historical event. I mean, it did happen, but it's happening all the time, every day, amen, and you want to celebrate that. You want to be aware of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if we're aware of the Holy Spirit in our life, then we're going to be more sensitive to the voice of God, to things that he asks us to do. Amen. So so briefly today, I want to talk about quench not the spirit. Uh, uh, First, the first chapter we're going to Mark or Matthew 13. But so we get spring rains. Right. And thank God for rain. Amen. We prayed for rain here. And now we've had some good rain so that, so that we've got good moisture and subsoil moisture and so forth. And if you're, you know, you can go out, how many of you have a, have a garden? And you till up the garden, you till it up and you get it all, the black dirt and so forth. It can look all nice. And then you plant your seeds and you have rows probably and so forth. But then lo and behold, you get the rain and all of a sudden there's all kinds of things growing that you didn't plant. Have you ever had that before? So the rain, the rain, when the rain comes, the rain will help expose things that are planted in the ground. All right. So, so you could have, you could think, man, I'm going to have the perfect garden or yard or whatever. But still, when it rains, there's things always that will come up because they're just in the ground from another time or another season or they blew in there or something like that. All right. So Matthew 13 then is, is typology here. Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man. He sowed good seed while men slept. The enemy, notice it's the enemy. Uh, my thing died. That's okay. The enemy came and sowed tares. The tares are weeds, all right, among the wheat. And then when the grain sprouted and it started producing a crop, the tares or the, or the weeds also appeared, right? So the servants of the owner came and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? How then? Why do we have weeds? Thank you. I think those are AAA or something. Why do, we, why do we have weeds? And Jesus said, an enemy. Say enemy. So the enemy has done this. And this is what happened in the beginning of the world. All right. So God created the heaven and the earth and the garden of Eden. And he created man and woman, Adam and Eve. And then everything was perfect, right? It was all good. And then man sinned and weeds began to grow. Because of the sin of Adam, then we have weed seed, all right? So an enemy has done this. And Jesus said, or they said to Jesus, do you want them to go out and gather them up? And he said, no, let's why you gather up the tares, the weeds. You tear up the wheat or the crop with them, the good crop. Let both, verse 30 said, let both grow together. Say that. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the time of the harvest, the end time, I'll say to the reapers, first gather together the weeds, bundle them in bundles to burn them, and then you're going to gather the wheat in my barn. Incidentally, he's gathering the weeds first. Then he's gathering the weeds. Just something to think about. Food for thought. Why do we have weeds? Because we live in a fallen world, okay? 
So because we live in a fallen world, it's inevitable you're not going to get rid of weeds. And you might think, my yard is just great. I remember, <laughs> I said this one at a time, and uh, my neighbor, it was kind of cute. So my, my yard, so I tried to get rid of all the dandelions, all right? And get rid of all the dandelions. However, my neighbor was doing a good job of growing a good crop of dandelions. And so my yard could look dandelion free, but then the wind, let's, let's land in Dave's yard, and so forth. My neighbor heard me talking about this one time, and so I came home from a church service, and he plucked out some dandelions in his yard, just the stems, and he went in over and stuck them in my yard, and he knew, he watched, because when I went home, I turned my head like, what? what those, they just came up and bloomed. How'd that happen, you know? He's playing a trick on me. But anyway, weeds are inevitable. They, they're all around us. And you can think, you know, that uh, uh, we're doing a good job, and you do do a good job, but weeds are still there. Yeah, let me quick, quick rabbit trail. How did we get Velcro? Something flies through my head. Let me just say, how did we get Velcro? Well, Velcro, of course, was invented, thank you so much, invented by NASA, all right? And because, of course, astronauts were going to space, things floating and so forth in the spacecraft. Velcro was invented by NASA. So there's a NASA engineer, of course, many years ago, and they're thinking about how do we do this? How do we attach stuff and keep it from floating around and so forth? So he's out, he's out just, just I don't remember, he's either hunting or walking his dog in a field. And if you ever, have you ever, this might bring you back a ways, but have you ever come in and seen cockleburrs on your, on your socks? Right? Cockleburrs are stuck in your sock. Look at those. And you've got to pull them off. They stick right to you. you know? And they got a little hook. they got a little hook in the seed so it sticks to you. And the engineer took that and he thought, well, that's really interesting. That's stuck that way. And that's how they invented Velcro. So that in the spaceship, he could just go, think, and stuck there with Velcro. And it hooks together. And you can pull it off and put it back on, back and forth. But it came from somebody. It came from a weed seed idea. <laughs> Inventions come, you know, because we need to have inventions. And somebody's thinking outside the box, how can we do these things? Well, that's how that happened many, many, many years ago. Anyway, so, so when, you, when you have weeds in your garden or your lawn, you don't dig up the whole lawn or garden, do you? I mean, you don't come, you don't come like mid-June or, or June of June and say, all right, let's plow her all up again. You don't do that. You just you have to tend the weeds and you keep growing your vegetables that you have or your grass. You keep working. The both are going to grow together. It's inevitable because of a fallen world, right? Now, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. So in the book of Acts, Dead Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it got really wild. And the Holy Ghost, now remember the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would fall on a leader or a prophet and that person would be anointed. But then the New Testament, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all believers. On all believers. Whoever wants to receive this anointing can get it. All believers. Say everyone. So this isn't just, this isn't a church thing. Incidentally, we welcome you. Anybody joining us from wherever. Have you just stumbled across this service? We just welcome you today in the name of Jesus. Jesus loves you very much. Got a great plan for your life. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's that same Spirit everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world. And, and it's important that we're always in the Word to know, well, what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? Well, what does the Bible say about anything? All right? This is, this is the book we need to live by. So the Holy Spirit came. New Testament now. So we have the believers in the upper room. There's 120 there. And the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues, another language, heavenly language. And it was, it was loud. Say loud. loud. See, when I grew up in church, church was quiet. So I remember in my denominational church, according to the liturgical side and so forth, this is Pentecost Sunday and so we're going to say about Pentecost and there was tongues of fire. That was wonderful. And, of course, it was just purely a historical event. doesn't happen anymore. Don't do that anymore. No excitement, no joy, no nothing. Now, in, in the book of Acts, though, when the Spirit fell, and he still is falling today, people began to say they're full of new wine. Now, the reason they, they thought they were drunk is because they were excited. They were very excited. They were emotional. And when, when people... Uh, uh, 
sadly, I've had some experience with this, but uh, when people drink too much, they might laugh, cry, do all kinds of things. Of course, do dumb things too. And so people looked at the disciples and they thought, look, well, they're, they, they're drunk with wine. But keep in mind now, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, when this happened, let me just back up a trail. Dennis Bennett was an Episcopal priest in the Seattle area. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit moved upon their church congregation, very profound Episcopal church. And he wrote the book, Nine O'Clock in the Morning, many years ago. Uh, each week I'm on, I'm on Zoom calls with pastors, but there's a minister now that I'm, that's on our Zoom call that's, that was an Episcopal priest. He's retired, and he took that church in Seattle after Dennis Bennett was there. Spirit-filled, loves Jesus, prays in tongues, prays for healings, all kinds of things like that. Good things, amen? So, so they thought, it's, it's, this is emotional, it's loud. And Peter stood up then, he raised his voice. Now, now you've got thousands of people, so I, <clears throat> I imagine he had a good projectile voice. He raised his voice, he said, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and to heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, they thought they were drunk, since it's only the third hour of the day, which is nine o'clock in the morning. But this is, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And now the prophet Joel talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People get very excited about sports, all kinds of things in life, and people think nothing of it. But if they get excited about Jesus, then the religious spirits come out. You shouldn't do that. Well, you're, you're too emotional. But they'll never say that about some other event when people are shouting and cheering and doing all kinds of crazy things. Isn't that right? So you've got to remember this. You know, it's like people, people uh, sometimes want to act like spirit-filled stuff. Oh, this is so weird. No, this is very ordinary. What's weird is the quietness. <laughs> What's weird is religion. Someone said to me one, downtown one time, doesn't your church, don't they speak in tongues? And I said, they, we absolutely do, doesn't yours? Just turn the table on them. They went, well, uh, I guess we don't. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. I'm not ashamed of who he is and what he's doing in our lives and that we need power. We need anointing to live these lives. We need help. <laughs> Amen. He is our helper. So we're embracing the Holy Spirit's help in our lives. Now, let me just say that when the Holy Spirit falls then, when the Holy Spirit moves wherever the Spirit moves, you may also find some weeds. In other words, you might find some fleshly manifestations that are not of God. Now, why is this? Why, why would that be? The, it's the Holy Spirit, but why did they do this or this or this? And you say, well, because there's weeds. They're just, we're just people, right? So you take, you take uh, uh, the Holy Spirit that's perfect going into imperfect vessels, and there are manifestations... And so not all the time is every manifestation God. Sometimes somebody might say something, do something, act a certain way that is just, that's just the flesh. Sometimes there can be prophecies, might be the flesh. You know, people can prophesy out of their own spirit because they're excited about something, but might, may or may not be directly from the Lord. So what do we do then? So the Bible says, don't quench the spirit. So the religious tendency is to stop everything. So something, something happened. I remember some people like that, and they, were, they said they were spirit-filled, and they did this, so we're not having any of this. That's the religious tendency. That's what denominations do. They make decrees and say, we're not having any of this. We don't believe it. We don't trust it. We're not going to have it. They make a decree, and they stop everything. Now, it's happened in the Bible, and if you look in Matthew 21, where Jesus went into the temple, and the kids are crying, and they're excited, and so forth, very emotional, like the triumphal entry to Jerusalem, too, very emotional. And the priests see it, the religious people see it. The children are crying, they're crying, Hosanna, the son of David, and, the, and they're indignant. So what happens is they want to just stop it all, because they don't understand it. And, and so forth. It's out of their comfort zone. It's out of their box. Therefore, it's not God. And we can't think that way. We have to think, yeah, we might be out of the box, but that's okay if it's the Holy Spirit. Right, yeah. Amen? So it's okay if it's the Holy Spirit. So they're indignant, 
And they say to Jesus, do you hear what these kids are saying? And Jesus said, yeah, I've heard, I'm hearing what they're saying. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, sucklings, you've perfected praise. So the religious people wanted to stop the excitement. Now, I'm just here to say, I love excitement. Got a couple amens. All right. Hallelujah. And uh, so, uh, so uh, turn to your neighbor and say, you can get excited. Amen. You can get excited. It's as long as our excitement is about Jesus. Amen. As long as our excitement is about Jesus, about God, the Holy Spirit, then excitement is okay. All right. Then it's okay as long as it's that way. In 1970, I was... I was um, Let's see, this has been the fall of 1970 or so, summer of 1970. No, it's fall. School's on. And so uh, um, in my town in Iowa, there was commotion in school that there was these services going on at this Reformed church. And I grew up in a Reformed church county, and uh, Dutch county in northwest Iowa. And there was murmurings in church about the things going on and so forth. So somebody invited me over to this Reformed church. And in those days, they called it a lay witness renewal. And so lay members, not ministers, came to churches, and they would share their testimonies. They would get up and say, well, I'm so-and-so, and I live over in this town or that town. And, and they would tell how God worked in their life, and they would share testimonies. Just boom, boom, like maybe two, three testimonies, not long testimonies, you know, ten minutes or so. And they'd sing some songs, and, and it was amazing. I went to this meeting, you know, of course, Religious Dave, and watching and so forth. Oh, that's interesting, that's interesting. They gave an altar call. I'd never seen an altar call before. People were crying and weeping. This is, this is a formal church. This is a formal church. They do nothing like this. So they're crying and the weeping. People are going down. The altars are full, and the, lie, and the people kneeling on the ground went down the aisle. And I'm, I'm sitting on the aisle like, you know, of course, now, see, I was religious <laughs> thinking, I'm not going to do this, but this is sure interesting. You know, I was observing what was happening. One of the guys in our one of the guys in our school who was a big he was a wild, wild kid. You know, everybody knew him. And he he went forward and we all kind of thought, well, see what happens to Richard here. You know, well, Richard's life changed. We couldn't believe it. Like, are you OK? I mean, where were you from? You know, and so his life changed just by Jesus. By the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't a situation where people are speaking in tongues, but just very, it was emotional, and it was exciting, and it was interesting to see. And that went on for a number of weeks until the leadership stopped it. Well, we're done with this. We're not having any more of this. Why did they stop it? Because a few people here, there kind of got a little different and so forth. And they thought, okay, we're not having this. You can go to churches today, and they're, they're very vocal, but, oh, they love Jesus and so forth, but we won't have tongues. We won't have the Holy Spirit. We're not going to pray for people like that. And they just put that out there in their standards. And, and so somewhere along the line within that tradition, they got offended because of a weed or something fleshly and just decided, we're not going to do this. But you don't plow up your whole garden. You don't say no to the Holy Spirit. In fact, the best thing to do is when the Spirit of God is moving, probably the best thing to do is relax. Might be different than anything you've ever seen. Just relax. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 a second. And in this context, it says, Brethren, when you come together, someone might have a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. There's a lot of different things here, right? Then notice what it says. Let all things be done for edification. So, so now people are coming together, and this, this would imply this isn't all planned. I mean, obviously, at some point in the service, you have to know something's going on. I know that. But on the other hand, it's not like it's printed in the bulletin. So you can't follow everything. I grew up, everything was in the bulletin. I could go check, check, check. Okay, one more thing and we're out of here. Wow. You know. But this is, this is something different. So notice, it's, there's a variety of things functioning here in the body of Christ. But I want you to notice, notice these, these words, which are very, very five words. Let all things be done. Right? So you want to allow the Holy Spirit to do things, express things, 
in different ways than maybe what you're used to. See, I think he wants to stretch us. So in the natural, in the natural, the older I get, the more stiff my muscles become because I don't use them as much as I did. And then my muscles are getting older. So it's typical in older muscles to be less flexible. It's typical in more older traditional things to be less flexible. We don't do that here. You go to that church over there. That's kind of how it works sometimes. And so we want to be flexible. Turn to your neighbor and say, be flexible. Now, how do, I, how do I become more flexible? Well, I have to stretch my muscles. Stretching isn't always comfortable, but stretching is important. So, so like you might think of my back is stiff. Well, a good many years ago, an orthopedic doctor said to me, that, well, you have to stretch your hamstrings if you want your back to feel better. I thought, well, I'm not talking about my hamstring. I'm talking about my back. He says, yeah, I know they're attached. Come up here and attach. And that, a tight hamstring is going to cause your back to be tight. So consequently, you have to stretch, which feels uncomfortable. You have to stretch your muscles to become more flexible. If we're more flexible, we're going to be more usable. The more rigid we are, the less we can be used. The more, the more we think we got it all together, probably the less we do. We want to be sensitive enough to say, Holy Spirit, boy, I don't understand. I understand a little bit, but I want to grow. You always want to keep that teachable spirit to grow. If we keep that, we'll grow. If we don't keep that, then we become kind of set. Spirit-filled people, Pentecostal people, charismatic people can become set, fixed. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, second. If something is confusing to you, should you automatically throw it out? The answer is no. Now, why is that? People, I've, heard, I've had ministers say, well, God is not the author of confusion, so we just throw that all out because that's confusing. That's <laughs> not what he's talking about. All right? So, so if something's confusing, you shouldn't automatically throw it out. You should do what? You should go to the Bible. Right? This is in any setting. So we're teaching people all the time here to win in life. And this, goes, this works worldwide. So we're speaking words not in man's wisdom, the same experiences. This isn't man's wisdom teaching, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Now, notice it says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So... If the Holy Spirit is moving, it's spiritual. Someone's speaking in tongues, it's spiritual. Do what? Go back and compare what's going on with the Word of God. Is it biblical? Here's a key one. Does it glorify Jesus? Is Jesus lifted up? You go back and you look at the, what's the fruit. Was that person blessed? Many years ago, uh, when our church just started... And there was a young couple in the church. We didn't have many people. We were meeting in the basement of the fire and police station. And, and uh, so, not many people there. So, at any rate, at, at, uh, we sang a few songs. And then I was walking up front and this man began to speak in tongues. In a very high-pitched voice. He was a farmer. Began to speak in tongues. And I thought, wow, you know. And, and then I said to the, to the, uh, there was a guy playing the guitar. I said, sing another song, you know. And so I went over to where he was standing with his wife and so forth. And I put my hands on him. When I put my hands on him, he looked at me with the biggest smile. He gave me a hug. And I thought, Holy Spirit. The guy got touched by the Holy Spirit in the worship set service and, and was ministered, greatly ministered to by the Lord. His tears started coming down his face. Oh, it was just wonderful. Behind them, or no, excuse me, in front of them, was the couple that was visiting that Sunday, military couple, who had, who had ahead of time, very, his protocol, he was an officer, head of the Army ROTC at the time, and he came into my office, he had his uniform, and he says, well, his wife was visiting Jeannie's Bible study at the time, he says, we're going to come visit your service, and then he had all these things, well, if I come, do I have to lift my hands? I said, no. Do I have to come, do I have to pray out loud? I said, no. Do I have to come, do I speak in tongues? No. And then he was done. I said, are you done? He said, yes. And I said, now when you come, you have to do one thing. 
He says, what's that? I said, just be open. Just be open. That's all you have to do. So anyway, so his, he is there with his wife. He has teenage daughters. His wife has got blonde hair. And this guy speaks in tongue. And she turned every bit the brightest red I have ever seen. And, and so forth. And so when the service is over, of course, they headed to the, through the door where there's a coat room to head out. And I headed right after them. And she said to me, she said, I've never seen anything like this. She was very, she didn't know what to think. And he was very... Uh, composed. He's very composed as an officer today. He's now retired, but went to a high-ranking officer of the Pentagon and so forth. But she was very emotional, and I just said, Barbara, I understand. Just, just this guy was really touched by the Lord. She continued to come to the Bible study. They came to the church after that. They all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And this was in 1982, and from that day on, they have never ceased to support the ministry. Become one of the biggest givers to this church through over, like, what is that, 40 years now. Every month, whether he was in Europe, whether he was in Korea, whether he was in some other place, all the time, every month, supported to this day. Got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they compared spiritual things with spiritual. So they compared what happened and then they saw how this man got touched by the Lord and how excited he became for Jesus. Looked at the Word of God. They had, been, had a Baptist background. Looked at the Word of God and just thought, we want that. We want more of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you have to compare. Spirit. The Bible is spiritual, right? Say compare. Spiritual things with spiritual. Things that are happening, compare it with the Word of God. Now... The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So thinking, people in their natural mind think, well, that can't be God. Well, that's really different. Just thinking in their natural. And not, that's how a lot of people do that. That's how a lot of denominations do that. They're all thinking of their head. And they look at it. They don't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolish, looks foolish to them. They can't know them. They're spiritually, because they're spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. Through the word of God. So if we think in the natural mind, it might think, boy, that really looks goofy. But think out of your mind in the word of God and look at the fruit and look at who's glorified. Look at what's happening and discern appropriately. Now, you can't always know right away. Sometimes you just got to wait. You got to wait things out and see once, test the spirit, see what's happening. Amen. Amen. The reason that you're here today is because you're open to the Holy Spirit. That's why you're here. There's many people who wonder about everything, things like people like us do, but, but at this point yet, maybe reservations have held them back. But when people come, the thing about the Holy Spirit, like God is love, the Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit is friendly. The Holy Spirit is nice. The Holy Spirit is not judgmental. The Holy Spirit is good. So when we think about being filled with the Spirit, I'm being filled with God, with His love, with His peace, with His joy. Say filled. Lots of times we get satisfied with a little bit. I don't want a little bit. I want a lot. I want a lot. When it comes to the things of God, uh, to use a secular term, I want to be greedy. I want a lot. Why? Because He's got a lot to give. He's infinite. There is no limit to the things of God. So I want to pursue the Holy Spirit. I want to pursue God. I want to pursue the Word of God. And I want to experience what He's got to give me. Amen? Amen? Because it comes down to that all of us got this personal relationship. So we're all going for what He's got for us. Amen. So you don't plow under your garden. You keep plucking out some weeds, but you can water that stuff so it grows and produces fruit. And the goal and the goal in the body of Christ or the goal in the church for, for the Holy Spirit is that fruit is born. Amen? Okay, so in 2010, there was Dr. Ray Phipps. Dr. Ray Phipps was a Ph.D. He taught school his entire life, superintendent of schools in different states. His wife, Wilma, was a math teacher. And uh, they live in Rapid City. 
They're in their mid-80s now. They traveled the world preaching the gospel. After Ray retired, after Ray retired, he really got refired. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit just stirred in his heart. So most of his life, he was, a, he was a, a, like a, a Wesleyan, Nazarene. His daddy was a Nazarene preacher. Didn't have the things of the Spirit taught to him. But now he, he retires, and now he fasts and prays God works in his life. So long story short, he finds himself in many countries. And I was with Ray and Wilma in India years ago. But also they went to Nepal. And in the country of Nepal, there's, they connect with people to teach people. And they would teach people to do what Jesus did. They would teach people about reaching people's salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, laying hands on sick people. Tremendous testimonies. Tremendous testimonies. Just teaching them from the Word, the basics of the Word of God, and then to say, go do it. And out of that have sprung... Thousands of churches, thousands over the last decades, you know, it's, it's just, it's remarkable what has happened. Now they're in their twilight years, so forth, just talked to Ray the other day, and uh, they're not traveling anymore or anything like that. But when they were in Nepal one day, uh, the, the young people came to them, they were in place, and the young people came, young people, I'm talking about people in their 20s or so, and they said, you know, the Hindus, the Hindus have lots of festivals, and they celebrate lots of different things. And when they do, there's no school, and there's festivities like eating and things like that. And they said, why can't we do something special? And they said, yeah, well, we can. And they said, well, this week is such and such. So they called a youth gathering. So these young people came into the place, and they t- started that morning. And what's customary is... Even when we're there, we would teach through the morning, and then you have lunch. Now, this lunch is important. <laughs> People don't want to miss the lunch because you get a big rice dinner and maybe a piece of chicken or, or a hard-boiled egg or something like that. So, so these are young people. And so they're going to – Ray had talked for half an hour, 40 minutes on the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, I know it's lunchtime, so let me just pray. Let me just pray for you all. They're all there, you know, and so forth. And so they stood up. And as he prayed, he said, I just prayed, Holy Spirit, just, just touch them. Just fall on their lives, Holy Spirit. And he told him, he says, I just want you to take a deep breath. I just want you to praise the Lord. And when Ray's praying, and then all of a sudden, it just became loud. And Ray opened his eyes, and he sees all these young people beginning to pray in tongues. Now, their pastors were at the back of the room. They're all like, you know, this went on for a long time. And Ray had about 20-some minutes on his, he, he took his phone, he just started videotaping. And then his battery ran out, but it went a long time. And, and at any rate, just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was not in anybody's comfort zone, not what anybody had experienced, what, not what any of them had ever seen. Okay, so let's play that just a second, Jennifer. This is just the first part of it. So Ray pulls out his phone. I'm going to talk while we do Play it up. That's fine. I'll talk about it over there. So now, all of a sudden, these people. Just start praying in tongues. Way in the back are leaders. And Ray's thinking, what's going on here? So he has his phone. And he's going. This is, when you know, five minutes after it started. And then. He has some others trained, so pretty later he had them go through and start laying hands on people. People got delivered of demons. People got healed. People fell on the floor. Then they had to go back to their pastors and share with them, Oh, this is the Holy Spirit. They're going, they're going like, what? This is the Holy Spirit, like the day of Pentecost. And so this went on. They missed their lunch, which is a big deal. So everybody's different here. Nepal, incidentally, is a Hindu nation. So Hinduism is the law in Nepal. And no other religions are actually allowed in Nepal. So the, this gathering was very, very special for these young people. So we call this the Nepal Pentecost. I love it. Windows are always open. People come. Think of the day of Pentecost and people could hear them outside in the streets, right? You hear them outside in the streets, the wind, because windows open, like, well, what's going on in there? Look at these people. They look like they're drunk. Look what's going on.
So he's got some of the people coming through to pray. See, we like it when everything's tidy, don't we? Oh, it's all predictable, it's real nice, and so forth. But it's not always going to be that way. Not always going to be that way. He's sleeping. (laughs) So, thank you, Jennifer. This we call, or Ray called it, the Nepal Pentecost. When Ray got home, came to the pastor's conference here, brought the thumb drive. He says, Pastor Dave, you just got to see this. And he was explaining it all, and I'm just thinking, wow. And for Ray and all them, too, it was like, yeah, wow. You know, nobody, nobody planned that. Nobody laid a hands on these young people. And God touched the pastors then also at the end because they belonged to several churches and stuff. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is... is a, is a wonderful thing. We like, we as humans love to have formulas and programs. But God, listen, on your everyday life, he just wants to flow through you. Amen. I understand we come, we gather, we want to worship the Lord and so forth. And we've had different things go on. But you have to understand the, the point of all that. What's the point of the Holy Spirit is that we become witnesses. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. To be whose witnesses? Jesus' witnesses. So many people become witness for their church. Nothing to do with that. It's everything about being a witness for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen? And that's, that's the thing. Sometimes I hear people are out witnessing and so forth, and they're talking about their church, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I'm not going to promote a denomination, a church. Anything we do, we're not promoting that. We're promoting Jesus Christ. We have won hundreds of people to Christ that have never come to this church. What, in fact, many years ago, I complained to the Lord. I thought, Lord, we're, we're witnessing, we're doing all these things, you know, and, and they're not coming to our church. He just said, that's none of your business. <laughs> you didn't save them. I saved them. It's my business. And if they go to other church, A, B, or C, if they're going to hear the gospel, wonderful. Amen? See, we become, we become religious or territorial or this or that. And the Holy Spirit isn't that way. The Holy Spirit will move wherever he's welcomed. So we want to welcome him into our house. Like Sunday mornings, Wednesdays, we're always praying here and so forth. We welcome the Holy Spirit. The doormat's just out for the Holy Spirit. We want what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And we know that God wants to do good things. Amen? All right. Hebrews 5.14. A few more scriptures. Hebrews 5.14. So, so we learn we have solid food and so forth. And, and when we grow spiritually, this isn't a chronological age, but spiritually, by reason of use, using the word, we can have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we learn to discern. Right? So... If everything is always the same every Sunday and follow my bulletin, well, there's nothing to discern. It's just, that's how it is, you know. But when you follow the Holy Spirit, you learn to discern. You learn, was that you, Lord? And you keep following. Maybe you hear the Lord saying something. Well, follow through and see if it is the Lord. Right? See, did it happen? Follow through. Sometimes I've heard a lot of things. I realize, well, that was Dave. You know, that was me thinking that. It wasn't a bad thought, but I was... Thinking one way and the Holy Spirit had something else planned. So, so you learn to discern. Now, 1 Timothy 3.16. This, this is important with this. Because as we have this, the scripture, the word of God, compares spiritual things with spiritual, right? Is profitable. It helps us, right? It helps us to stay on track, all right? Reprove correction, instruction, and righteousness. So, so, so correction, which most most. Church people, most, you know, groups, religious people, Christians, don't like correction. And very common say, well, I'm going to another church. Oh, you don't like that? I'm going to another church. You know, I met a young person the other day, and I said, uh, do you belong? He was working for, at a certain church, and I said, do you belong to this? No, I don't belong there. No, I belong to this church. And then he named the certain church that he was going to, but I'm going, I'm going to find another church. So, clunk, clunk, clunk. Why? Because invariably, you're going to find something you don't like. But maybe, maybe God's working correction in us. Now, 
An athlete understands correction, right? You're doing drills and so forth, and the coach says, no, do it this way. He'll blow a whistle, and you don't see the athlete go, I'm not doing it. I'll do it my own way. You don't see him do that. You don't see him walk off the court or off the field. You don't see that. They say, okay, I'm going to do it your way. They take instruction and correction. Same with a student. Student studies for a test and so forth, and there's a test. You get graded. There's corrected. You know, student doesn't go back, throw it back at the teacher. You don't know what you're doing, you know, and <laughs> corrected me. It's like, well, you can do what you want. You want a diploma next week or not, you know? So we live all our life with correction, but somehow when it comes to spiritual things, we don't want to be told anything. Somehow people become very spiritual. I'm shocked. I shouldn't be. I'm always shocked at funerals how someone can die who never went to church, very ungodly, whatever, and somehow they ended up in heaven, and they're informing me of that, that that person ended up in heaven, and I'm thinking, hey, well, they're lost. I'm not going to say anything different to them, but I'm sure I'm not going to say that publicly. Why? Because there's a path to heaven, right? You prepare ahead of time to get there. You don't decide after you're dead. And after you're dead, a prayer for you isn't going to get you in. You make a decision in this life. So correction is just very important, all right? So correction is implied with instruction, all right? Now, spiritually, the Holy Spirit's going to work, and different times we'll keep instructing through the Word of God because we want people to grow, right? We want people to bear fruit. Want people to be blessed and to be a blessing to other people. So we correct and we imply, uh, apply construction. Now notice what it says. The man of God may complete or mature, equipped, thoroughly equipped. Notice what it says. For every good work. So we want to keep doing good works and not stop. What happens? What happens if there's a mistake? All right, get up and go on. The mistake isn't the focal point. You know, I mean, again, we learn this in life all the time through sports or any sort of training. You learn, you learn that you recover from your mistakes. Is this part of life? So if I make a mistake, what I want to do, get up and think, well, I can do that, you know, adjust things and move on from there. Amen. So then it comes down to 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and following. Don't quench the spirit. Now, don't quench means don't stop it. Don't say no to the Holy Spirit in your life. You always want to say yes. Just say with me, say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life to everything you want to do in my life. So don't quench. We don't put a stop. Don't despise prophecies. Prophecies, prophetic prophecies can be a teaching, could be a prophetic thing from heaven. But a lot of times it's just teachings. You don't, don't, dis, what do we, don't despise it. In other words, you want to learn something. Maybe something you didn't know before. Right. I've met people before and they, they say, Oh, Pastor, we don't do anything like speaking in tongues. This, this is not in the Bible. I said, Really? Well, show me scripture. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't find a scripture. Someone one time was at my house and, and they said, Well, it's the least of the gifts. Boy, that's really interesting. Hey, I'm going to get another cup of coffee. Uh, you go find that for me, will you? Go find that for me. Oh, so, so they start digging in there and so forth. And I get my coffee and I'm sipping it there. And I says, take your time. You want a cookie too? Uh, get something else for you. Take your time. Because the whole point, you're not going to find it there. The Bible never says that. Never, never demotes tongues. Never does anything like that. The Bible never will, will diminish the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is New Testament church, right? So many, many churches are doing what? They're just sweeping the whole things under the rug. We're not going to do that. We won't have those things. And so they hinder the growth of people. If I'm going to grow, I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit teaches me. Holy Spirit anoints me, empowers me. So we don't quench. We don't despise. Notice what it says now. Test all things. Say test. Another version will say prove. But let's just, this one says test. Test it. See, see if it's of God. Don't check your brain at the door. You know, I, I believe very much in being a, an intelligent Christian. Don't check your brain at the door. Have the word of God. But test it. Look at the fruit. See what happens. Who's glorified? Amen? Test it. And then it says, hold fast to what is good. So there might be a couple of things. Oh, that was a weed or that was a bone. I'm not going to eat that. 
But don't throw it all out. Don't throw it all out. Receive what's good. It says, hold fast to what is good. Hallelujah. Hold on to what is good. Oh, that was really good. I like that. That was, that was a blessing. That ministered to my life. All right. Last, last verses here a second. Verse, 1 Corinthians 14. So in this context now, again, Corinthian church had lots of things going on. And not all of them were was of the Lord. But, but nevertheless, they didn't quench the spirit. They kept teaching and instructing, correcting and instructing. Said, brethren, desire to prophesy. Desire. Let's say it this way. Desire to speak anointedly. Desire to share the word of God. So we don't have to say, well, I've never heard a word of prophecy. No, but you know scripture. You can, you can share confidently. So desire to share with somebody else. Desire that. Amen? To do that. And then what it says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. Now, of course, a lot of groups would be in trouble here. Because it's like, no, we're not having that. That's just a blanket no. Well, we don't want to say that. Amen? I mean, here I'm talking to you in English and so forth. But but I do have a prayer language. And I pray in the Spirit all the time. All the time. All right? Just, just, just praying in the, uh, to the Lord and so the Holy Spirit praying. So don't forbid to speak in tongues. And then notice what it says. Let all things be done. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Then decently and in order. So if we get that reversed, if we reverse the decently in order and put that first, then nothing's going to be done. So many, many groups will claim, and we're talking to Christians now, but many groups, because the world doesn't deal with the Holy Spirit. It's Christians that deal with the Holy Spirit. So many groups, it's, they've got, we've got a church order. Boy, it's going to be done decently in order. And then nothing happens. They're so concerned about the order and everything, nobody's going to get offended, that pretty soon nothing happens. Sometimes people think, well, what if someone speaks in tongues and there's a visitor? They'll work it out. Hey, remember that church? We were down in Kansas. We were down in Leavenworth, Kansas. This Baptist church, Baptist church, but the pastor got filled with the Holy Spirit, and so they were transitioning. The whole church was. And so we were invited to come and speak. And at any rate, uh, and I, I was to have the message, and they finished some songs. And Jeannie had a prophecy, had a word in tongues, and then the interpretation. And I was thinking, you know, of course, thinking like... We're the guest speakers. Hope this goes okay. You know, because this is, this is a church that didn't have any of this. You know, right? you know what I mean? But they were searching and they were open. And she had an interpretation and so forth. And I got up and I said, you know, this is from uh, 1 Corinthians and, and uh, so forth. And explained the whole thing and had my message and stuff. So then at the end of the service, we're standing in the, the small foyer. And, and the pastor went us there. So we'd shake hands. Now, Leavenworth has a lot of prisons. But Leavenworth also has the Army War College. And so when the, the man from SDSU went to Leavenworth next, where from a captain you become a major. So he climbed the ladder from major to lieutenant colonel and full colonel and so forth. So at any rate, at any rate uh, a lot of military and a lot of retired military there. And so this man came up, tall man, quite dignified. And I'm standing by Jeannie and he said, when were you in Japan? Very stern. And she said, I wasn't in Japan. No, when, 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 you, when, you, when did you go there? And she said, I wasn't there. And he said, when did you learn Japanese? And she said, I don't know Japanese. This man had spent many years in Japan, knew Japanese, and heard her tongue in Japanese and the interpretation. And he wasn't even a member of this church. He came to visit that day. And it was just like the Holy Spirit caused him to totally be undone. Like, you were never there. This was supernatural, you say? This is the Holy Spirit? Yes, this was the Holy Spirit. This is how God works. Let all things, this is, don't forbid tongues. Let all things be done decently in order. Yes, we want, we want it to be right. We want to steer, right? But you can't steer a parked car. So if, you know, people say, well, I'm going to be free in the spirit. And you're just like in concrete. Well, nothing's going to happen. So you can't, did you learn when you first, you remember when you first started to drive? Our grandkids, you know, getting licensed, and our da- granddaughter just finished driver's ed. And you remember getting behind the wheel for me, and we had driver's ed in Iowa and so forth, and I'm driving like this, you know. The farm kids, you know, they drove, they drove, or what, eight. 
You always hear the farm kids. Some I had friends, you know, they have cigarette hanging out the window and driving, you know, and driver's head guy, hey, you got a two-hands wheel. All right, all right. You know, flick the cigarette out and put two hands up there to please the guy so he passed the course. But for us guys who weren't used to driving, you know, we're looking around, everything was new and so forth, and they always had a, they always also had a brake on the side for the, I don't know how they did that for cars, because some people would have probably ran over Southern. Stop, stop, you're supposed to stop there. Oh, okay, you know. You learn, right? You got corrected. You learn to do it. Got out of your comfort zone. Same thing in the Holy Spirit. We get out of our comfort zone. I don't want to become so comfortable with God that I think I know so much. I don't know very much. I'm learning. I'm growing all the time. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And the thing is, I'm getting older and older and thinking, I wish I could hang around a lot more years, you know. Life is good with Jesus. Life is good with the Holy Spirit. Don't forbid tongues. Don't forbid the things of God. Compared with spiritual, keep embracing. Holy Spirit, use me. Let's raise our hands a second. Just say with me, Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me. You are my helper. You are my strength. You are my anointer. And I thank you today for your power, your wisdom, your might. And for whatever you want to do in my life, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. You can share this with somebody. You can hit the share thing on there, share with somebody else, pass it out to somebody else. Yeah, let's thank God. Amen. Give it to somebody. You know, we're just scratching the surface, but God is good. Amen. If you do pray in the spirit, pray more. Amen. Pray in the spirit more. You can do it in your car. You can do it at your house. Pray in the spirit when you drive. Uh, If you haven't ever prayed in tongues, you can just, just ask the Lord. He'll help you. Amen. I mean, there's there's people here all the time that can pray with you as well. But that's something that's just real. Amen. Prayer language, communicating with the Lord. Amen. Yeah, God bless you. Amen. Let's stand up. Bless one another. And we'll take some young people to help us with those tables in the back. Tables and chairs. Amen. Hey, thank you for doing that. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.